Hakeem Bello Asadja, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. You've been talking to the MBA students about your particular personal philosophy of leadership. You're 55 now. You started out in very different times, and you decided after growing up in uh, Nigeria and the USA to come to Cambridge University. Why was that? Well, I, I, I had always wanted to have the experience of going to the leading centers of the world if I could get in and if my parents could afford the money. And uh, Cambridge was always one of those universities that you'd heard so much about. You had the sense that you would get the finest education that there was. Uh, you'd be competing against some of the brightest students in the United Kingdom. You'd heard so much about the tutorial system, so much about the great tutors there, and um, I wanted to be part of that great experience. And, and you studied law, and, and actually, you also told us you were in love. <laughs> yes, uh, that is correct. Um, I studied law um, when I was at Cambridge University, and um, I, I had many great friends at Cambridge University, and um, I went out with a lady who also studied law at Cambridge University, and so Cambridge University has great memories for me. And then you went back to America. You studied business at Harvard. Um, and yet, you, you said you didn't enjoy your first year of that MBA at Harvard as a, a business student. Why was that? Um, I think the reason why was that um, I had just finished doing two degrees that were very intensely intellectual um, experiences. And I hadn't worked, so I think that I approached the MBA program as another intellectual experience. And I didn't, and it's not an intellectual experience. It's an experience, but not intellectual. And uh, I think I made that mistake. And then, and then you sorted yourself out in the second year of that MBA at Harvard. You, you sort of sorted out who you liked and wanted to make friends with yes. and what subjects you wanted yes. to, uh, to study. How did you go about that? Well, um, um, in the first year, you started to get a, a feel for the things you liked and things you didn't like. So it was very much by trial and error. And to, in, by the time I got to my second year, I found that the kinds of things that fascinated me were strategy, international business, management in developing countries, human behavior and organization. Um, I wasn't a finance jock, okay? Um, I wasn't an industrial marketing jock. Um, and, and so I did a few and few of those courses and more and more of the more policy, strategy, and human behavior type courses. Now you went on and to be a very successful entrepreneur, and we'll come on to that in a minute, but, but you said to the students here at Cambridge Judge Business School, the MBA students, you told them no to consultancy. Why that tip? Um, I think what I said to them was not so much no to consultancy, but to say to them, you don't have to be consultants. Um, my, uh, some, uh, I don't say this in a condescending manner, but some of my best friends are consultants. And in the consulting world, there's some people of tremendous ability and a tremendous intelligence. But there's very much an ethos in business schools that you must be a management consultant or you must be an investment banker. And if you're not one of those, there's something wrong with you. I'm very much against that idea. I think that there are a number of other careers, manufacturing, oil and gas, the retail business, the sports business, uh, setting up your own um, you know, technology company. All of these things are also exciting, also very interesting, and I would like as many people to go into those areas 
as go into consulting and banking. And now you're very much sort of looking back on, on your career, what was successful and what wasn't. And, and you know, you, you are chairman of, of the United Bank of Africa and of a, an emerging markets telecom services mm. uh, company. Mm. Um, yet you failed mm. the first time around. Mm. Can you tell us about that failure? Yes, it was a it was a very small it was a small finance company called Kenneth Michael and Company, and um, it failed. Um, we 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 didn't have a clear view of what the market was. Um, we did not have uh, a, a good financial control system. We ran up uh, bad debts. Um, we didn't have a, a depth in our management. Um, I had a dispute with a very close friend of mine who ran the place. I think we over-delegated too much in the organization. We didn't have a very good business model. Um, I didn't examine the accounts very well. But as I said, that sometimes, many, most times, a complete failure is good for you because it forces you to go back to the drawing board and ask yourself the question, why did this happen? What have I got to do in the future to avoid this? And when you go for your next venture, you go prepared, uh, you grow much more knowledgeable, and curiously enough, curiously enough, you almost have a determination to wipe away the memory of that defeat. And you said you then saw your second business opportunity, mm. which was a very brave business mm. opportunity, taking over the second largest bank in Nigeria, um, the um, United Bank of, of Africa. And, and yet you saw it was undervalued, mm. its potential to be worth or mm. was worth much mm. more. You saw the problems mm. with corruption mm. and, and mm. other things in that economy and society at the time. And then you saw that you had to sack half the staff mm. and, and actually mm. uh, sack everybody over the age of 55. So mm. that was a tremendous challenge. Mm. Now, how did you see those things and how did you go about it? Um, I have to say to you that before I took the bank over, I saw some of the problems. It, I only got to appreciate how deep the problems were when I got in. Okay. And once I got in, I knew that this was such a major event in Nigeria's history that if we failed as a group of people, okay, th life would never be the same. So we knew that we had the determination that we had to solve those problems. Um, we knew we had to cut staff. And therefore, we set up a small group of people who worked for well over a year on how do we effect a cut in staff and try and do it peacefully, try and do it fairly, and try and do it consistently. And I think we were successful at that. We knew that we had to hire new blood in the organization um, to supplement the, the abilities that we had. But we knew that there were areas of the bank, in the corporate bank area, in the financial control area, yeah, developing a consumer banking franchise. These were areas that the bank hadn't been in before, and we knew we had to hire people who would do well in those areas, and we did that. So um, we were in a situation in which you had, you had to attack in a, in a number of different directions at the same time, and the key challenge that we had was how do we prioritize the problems that we solve? And how did you prioritise those uh, problems? You, you did well, indeed bring in Arthur Anderson yeah, yeah. as well I to think, help you. I think, the, I think the first things we did was debt recovery so that we 
could generate money in the early days. We prioritized developing a corporate bank so that we had a presence in the market and we could make money for the bank relatively safely there. We had to have a financial control system in place very early on because that enabled us to begin to uh, analyze where are the weaknesses, where are the strengths, where's the money going, where's it not going, and that could help us plan for the future. Um, and after we seized those, we then moved into the middle market, and then the latter stage, we went to the consumer banking market. That's how we prioritized. And you said at the beginning you didn't see all the problems to begin with, yeah. but, but you know one of those was was protests, weren't yeah. they? Sort of banners, you yes. know, protests against you personally, yeah. the takeover, what yeah. you were doing with yeah. staff. Was there ever that dark valley people speak of when you wanted to give up? Um, there was a dark valley, uh, not to the point where I wanted to give up. Uh, but a dark valley that made me feel, will I ever solve this problem? Is it just going to be one problem after another? I knew that giving up was not an option in my mind, but it was how long will it take for me to solve this problem? That, that, those are bad moments. But, I, but, but as I said, one thing that really helped a lot was that I wasn't on my own. I was part of a group of people who worked together, and I gained a lot of strength and sustenance from that group. And I, I credit them for the major role that they played in the successes that we achieved. And finally, to those MBA students here at the Cambridge Judge Business School, you gave them some quotes, didn't you? You, you told them, um, tread the path less travelled. Then you quoted Wordsworth and said, gather rosebuds while you may. Um, don't be ordinary. Yeah. You said, make your life extraordinary. extraordinary. Yeah. Um, I mean that, uh, gather your rosebuds while you may, seize the time, make your life extraordinary. I mean it very deeply. I want to say something. When you say to people, make your life extraordinary, it doesn't mean that you must be Barack Obama. It doesn't mean that, that you have to be a great general. There, um, there are nurses who are working down the road at Adam Briggs Hospital who do extraordinary things in caring after children who have cancer and giving them a care and affection that, for me, are simply extraordinary accomplishments. So, so, so in using that word extraordinary, I don't want us to use it in a very narrow fashion. There are so many extraordinary things that one can do in one's life in so many different areas. And all I, uh, all I am asking for in, in talking about the need for, for us to try to do extraordinary things is just don't be pedestrian, just don't lower your sights. Go beyond what you think you can do, and that is the best way to get in there. And that advice would pertain, Kim, even though these MBA students are setting out in a difficult time of recession, in, in a globally changing world, where the business conditions might not be the same as when you started. My view is that they live in a, in a society that, in fact, is better than when we left. Better in the sense that they are in a truly global environment. We were still living within nation states. Their opportunities are all over the world. Ours were within a particular country. Yes, that they are coming out in a difficult economic situation, but I don't see that economic situation being there for more than a few more years. 
And I guess when you're young, two, three years, sounds like a very long time. But I think as you grow older, you begin to realize that they've got to look upon it in terms of the 30-year opportunities that they have. And the opportunities that they have are far greater than the opportunities that we had. Keem Bello Osaji, thank you very much indeed for talking to the MBA students at the Cambridge Judge Business School today. We've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much indeed. It's been an even greater pleasure for me.